Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you guys are all doing well. I hope that you're staying safe and wherever you are listening to this show around the world, hope things are good with you. Thank you of course once again for inviting us back into your lives for a bit of healthy F1 discussion and banter. Of course, if you are watching this on YouTube, you can support us, help us get to 2,000 subscribers, our newest milestone. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel if you are new. And of course, don't forget to give the video a little like. You can support us as well on your favorite podcasting platform. If you prefer the audio only version, just give us a five star review on your favorite pod platform. It really helps us out a lot. And of course, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode as our way of saying thank you for your ongoing support. So here we are, guys. A few races in, the first chapters of the F1 2023 season are well archived in the history books. Plenty of narratives, plenty of stories to be discussed and unpicked as we now approach our first interlow of the season, the first major interlow of the season now with a four-week break, sadly, until F1 gets going again at the end of April in Baku, Azerbaijan. But until then, there are some plenty of news stories, a bit of an oxymoron there, plenty of news stories that we're going to be talking about in the meantime and give our own brand of analysis and discussion to some of these topics. And of course, we're going to have some great guests coming on the show in due course. So we'll keep you guys entertained in the meantime. Joining me on this episode of the podcast, our DNF1 panel in full flow once again. We've got Courtney Pine returning to us after a small absence from the last race review, and we've got Lee Wallington as always. Courtney, I'm going to come to you first. Hope that you're doing well, mate, and uh, how's things with you? Uh, very hectic this time of year. Um, also, we used to holidays and I work at a farm, so everyone's like, let's go and see the bunnies and the chicks. So it's very, very busy at the moment, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be on. Um, sad to uh, miss the last one, so I have plenty to talk about this time around. 
Yeah, we certainly missed you on that one. It was it was a race I think you probably would have enjoyed talking about, given the upturn mm-hmm. in form from at least one of the Mercedes drivers. And, you know, to some extent, if he had the pace to keep Max behind him, George Russell, before his retirement, was on a bit of a race-winning strategy. So it was a much better weekend for Mercedes. So uh, shame we didn't have you on board for that one. Lee, of course, we had you there enjoying Mercedes success or relative success, if you like. Um, how are you doing, mate? All good? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm just running what to do in the four weeks because there's no Chinese Grand Prix. You know? <laughs> it's left a horrible hole in the calendar. Yeah, it certainly has. And, you know, to many people's disappointment, as I said, we're going to have to find ways to make do without Formula One for a few more weeks. We had a long winter break, one of the longer ones that I remember in recent years. And we managed to cope with that pretty well. I think you'll agree if you followed us through that period. So I'm pretty I have, certain. I have, a, I have a quick question to ask. Go on then. Based on what you just said, Lee, what do Lewis Hamilton fanboys do over the four-week period? Particularly you, Adam. Apparently, you're the biggest Lewis Hamilton fanboy, despite being the avid Ferrari fan in the group. But yeah, what do Lewis Hamilton fanboys do? Do we have big posters of Lewis that we worship every day? I don't know. Well, Give give us a thoughts. Seeing as I'm the newest member of the Sir Lewis Hamilton fan club... (laughs) um, I, I guess pro- probably watched the Brazilian Grand Prix from 2008. That was a pretty good one for Sir Lewis <laughs> Hamilton fans. You know, obviously there's a story that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on, not necessarily to do with that race, but ultimately that season as a whole and how, and how it finished. So, yeah, I suppose, you know, dive into the archives. There's plenty of great memories from the great guy himself and uh, success in F1. So I'm sure seeing as... I'm now a Sir Lewis Hamilton fanboy like you guys. I might as well just dive into that as well. I've obviously (laughs) moved away from my Ferrari days onto something a little bit more positive. And I would implore any fellow Tifosi members out there that uh, maybe they should do the same. You know, go into the archives and find happy memories from the Ferrari days. Not necessarily um, Lewis Hamilton's success, of course. But um, anyway, I I digress on that note. Uh, For anyone listening in, I'm wondering why we're being so coy about that. You know, we'll, we'll leave that to the imagination anyway. Let's move on to some topics of discussion. We've got some news that we want to talk about. And I think the best place to start was the finish to the Australian Grand Prix. Now, many people wouldn't have to be eagle-eyed viewers of the race itself to know that the race ended in a rather strange circumstance. Now, the FIA and F1 have made no secret as to how disappointed they were with the handling of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2021. A lot of people, myself included, felt that it was the wrong outcome in terms of how the race ended. The result obviously can be linked to that, but we're not going to go down that particular rabbit hole. What we saw at the Australian Grand Prix last weekend was a couple of red flags and every attempt made possible to restart the race without ending the race under the safety car. And I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts on this because, Lee, you know, forgive me if I've missed, well, if if I'm wrong on this, we never actually discussed this in great length or detail in terms of giving our actual thoughts to this. I personally didn't have a problem with this. I think what they did was the right call. I don't think they were trying to make this entertaining for the benefit of the fans. I think that's just a byproduct of what was aimed at here. But at the same time, you can argue that a lot of people that did a lot of work and put a lot of effort into this race and were doing well could have potentially been impeded by the red flags and the restarts and everything else that happened when in the past 
a normal safety car to the finish would usually be the norm and would preserve the result up to that point. So, Courtney, I'm going to throw it to you first, if I can. Yeah. What did you think of the finish? Were you happy with how they uh, constructed that, or would you rather the older methods, if you like? Um, I didn't have a problem with the red flag itself. Um, I had a problem with the red flag due to the gravel. I, I do think that was excessive. Um, I had a problem with that red flag. I didn't have a problem with the red flag itself. Um, but I just had a problem with the reaction afterwards. I think what happened to Carlos Sainz was disgraceful, in all honesty. Um, because you've, as you said, Adam, you've got guys like making not guys, you've got people make like planning their race weekend. And obviously, like we look we love the chaos, but it's the lack, it's it's the inconsistency once again, you know, because you know, you got you've got teams and drivers making strategies based on the possible outcomes. But they can't even do that because it just seems the decision-making is so unpredictable. You just don't know what they're going to do next. And there is that fine limit. Like, I, I, I love the drama. I love the chaos. But I do sometimes like watch on and go, like, what what the hell are they going to do next? And it is, it's just that excessive nature of it. And obviously, Abu Dhabi was a prime example of it. But I, I, I think at the same time, I, I, I feel that because F1's been governed so poorly... Over the last few years in particular, I, I really do feel that they're missing Charlie Whiting. I've, I've said this before. I think since Charlie Whiting unfortunately passed away, I just feel that the, the stewarding and the, the way that races are handled, have, they've really plummeted in, in quality. But I just, I, I feel that because it's been governed so badly, it's also, it's, 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 it's helped sort of build up this tribalism and and really toxic feeling within the F1 fan base that I'm really, really sad to see. Again, over the past few years, we've seen this bubble up. It's become a bit more like the football community. And and the rot, as I say, the rot always starts from the top. So it's really important for these guys at the top to get things right because I just feel that F1 isn't in a healthy position at the moment. Yeah, I can understand that. I personally didn't have a problem with their handling of the race finish I think they they made every attempt possible in my opinion to preserve the the race entertainment I suppose if you like now that's not me suggesting that they're prioritizing that over the sport I think that's you know a much bigger play or a bit of a reach if you like but at the same time I do think that it is important to make sure that we don't have races that fizzle out because of a late safety car. You know, there can be a period where everything is building up. We saw the Australian Grand Prix, how things were playing out. Honestly, most of it was around this developing battle between Fernando Alonso and Sir Lewis Hamilton. Was Fernando going to catch Sir Lewis? Was, you know, Lewis managing these ties? We don't, we'd, you know, we'd never really found out. The red flag kind of mitigated all that. Yeah. It did, however, create opportunity for Lewis and Alonso to get up behind Max Verstappen on fresh ties, a bit of a reset, try and get a good start and get ahead of him and try to nick the win if they wanted to or if they were able to, I suppose, is more accurate. And then, of course, we had the chaos from all of those crashes and incidents. And then, of course, that brought out the final safety car. And then they just had a rolling safety car up to the finish, which I think made sense. I, You know, it's like that... You get into the realms of the IndyCar, NASCAR sayings that cautions breed cautions, if you like, for those that aren't familiar with that phrase. And it was very paramount in this race as well, given the nature and how tight it is and everybody was trying to make Banzai moves and to try and get into uh, get a position or defend a position. 
it did create a little bit of chaos and it's food for thought. The stewards, the FIA will probably review how things went down and maybe it's circuit to circuit. It could be a different protocol depending on the nature of some circuit. As I said, street circuits are going to be more dangerous for that reason. We may get something like that in another race where it's a bit more open and then it's more successful. So I'm happy with what they tried to do. I think they made the right calls with all due respect and credit to them. And you have to give them credit where credit is due. In other races, we'll have to see if that's a precedent for future ones or if they try something different. But at least they're attempting to learn from mistakes that were made back in Abu Dhabi. And this isn't necessarily about following the rules versus, you know, making it up as you go along or manipulating the result. I do think there was room to change things for the benefit of the show, but not too much to try and upset certain race orders, which makes the other 55 laps almost redundant. Lee, what are your thoughts on this uh, particular topic? Well, firstly, I agree with you, Adam. I agree with how they handled the red flags. Um, personally, it, yes, it does add to entertainment value, um, but also the safety is paramount. But as a fan, one of the things I hate about a safety car, which we have had in the past, is you have the safety car for uh, eight, ten laps, and that could be a quarter or a fifth of a race that was gone. And that's boring to watch the safety car go around for that amount of time. Um, in a VSC for a quick fix or a safety car, if there's a car stuck on the track for a couple of laps, great. But 10 laps or so, that's terrible. And red flag, I think, is better used to preserve the entertainment aspect. You still get to see a race. Um, so right, merely some of the red flag, I mean, the gravel one with um, Albon, the car was there, but I think it was more for the gravel on the track more than struggling to get the car removed so you maybe question that one but the the i think it's much better use of the red flags and i think as you agree with you i think it's a, there was worldly judged and it's uh, well judged in the improvement and lessons learned it's nice to see um how it goes obviously the rolling start after the the previous collision um and it's like it reminded me a little bit of oh, what was the um the crash fest at Baku a couple of years ago where i can't remember which year it was and where the car just came to crash um, left, right, and center in Baku, and it was safety car. wasn't it? Was that it the one with the two f- racing points with Ocon and Perez? Is it that Ocon year? Just the Red Bulls, where Max and Daniel yeah, hit, collided. Yeah. Was it Hulkenberg as well? Or, or Hulkenberg or Magnussen? Noah Haas randomly went out as well. I know someone punted Kimi Raikkonen as well. Yeah. In that race. But that, that was yeah. the safety car, bread, safety car, bread, safety car. So, um, it is important that they judge it and it's i think lessons have been learned and just as you said see how it goes forward yeah i i think it's important to you know remember that this could be a different protocol from one circuit to another and look i agree i didn't feel a red flag was necessary following albon's incident at, at, at albert park but at the same time, you know, with a safety car on the circuit, the safety car's got to move quite quickly. You can't really get marshals on the track when the cars are running around and there's a lot of gravel there. Even at lower speeds, it could be quite dangerous. So I suppose in their mind, they probably thought, look, let's not take any risks here. It's better to be safe than sorry. And look, we could easily be talking about an incident that may have been prevented if the safety car had got you know may have been prevented by the red flag and of course if we had a safety car going around or virtual safety car someone may have caused an accident hit the williams and we may be talking about something even worse here so 
I think we just have to take it at face value for what it was. Overall, I'm pretty happy with what they did. I don't think they were at fault in any way. I think that was it was more down to the fact that the drivers were just going for some crazy moves, like Carlos Sainz, for example, trying to make up a place here or there and cause Fernando to spin. He didn't lose out in the end, of course. Um, only Sainz got penalised by it. And I think, given the way things went down, I think that was incredibly unfair because Sainz had literally no opportunity to try and rectify that for whatever reason. He was just punished you know, and... There was he was penalised for a lap that didn't ex- exist. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, we don't even have to go down that particular route. It's more down to the fact that, you know, it was a safety car red flag following that. And it's almost like, well, you've given a five second time penalty when no harm has really been done in, in that regard. And yet he's just going to be, you know, knocked all the way down the order with nothing he can do about it. So, look, we can go on this about for ages. Yeah. Overall, I don't <clears> think <throat> at this point, F1 and the FIA are prioritizing entertainment over the the sake of the sport. You know, I do think there is an element there that they are trying to improve from this, and this could be different from one circuit to another, or it could just be a precedent for future races. But they are trying something, and to their credit, I do think that is a step in the right direction. I think we have to take that for what it's worth. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's move on to the next particular topic of discussion. And this was... This was kind of, um, it's making itself known on the airwaves throughout F1 social media and the F1 community. It was never really brought up in the mainstream broadcast, so to speak. But there have been rumours about changes going on to the sprint race weekend format. From what we've been hearing, the proposed sprint race weekend format is going to take place as follows, or change to as follows. So Friday, you have the first free practice session. Then you have the qualifying session for the main race on Sunday. Same format as we always know, same as on a sprint weekend where we have qualifying. It's going to be Q1, Q2, Q3 in the same format that we know. Then Saturday, we're going to have the sprint race qualifying session. Now, despite the fact that I told Lee and Courtney this was going to be one-shot qualifying, I've just literally had a look at my notes and it's actually not going to be that. So scratch that. It's going to be the same as it was on Friday, Q1, Q2, Q3, that will make up the order for the sprint race, which we then have later in the afternoon, which, of course, you know, as far as I'm aware, the points are going to be the same, but the sprint race results will have no bearing in the grid positions for Sunday's race. That's already made up by Friday qualifying. And then, of course, we have the main race on Sunday. Now, hopefully you all got that, and I made that as concise as I possibly can. I apologize if some of you guys are still a bit confused by that. Totally understandable. But from what we can see, the aim of this seems to be that they want to make sprint races more exciting by not making them relevant to the race on Sunday. 
I think one thing we can all agree is that some teams that have issues or have trouble with finishing in the top eight in a normal race or might be on the fringes of the points may feel that it's best to not go full ham on a sprint race because of the risk of having a crash or having an incident which may peg them back on the Sunday and make it almost impossible for them to get points. Same reason as it might be for some of the leading teams that might want to take a gamble and try and finish fifth or fourth instead of P8, for example. They think, you know what, I'm only going to lose one or two points here. I can make that up in the race and it gives me a bigger payoff. That's kind of the aim. They want sprint races and main races to be standalone events. Now, first of all, I, I have no problem with this. I think it's a good idea in principle. The only concern that I do have, and this kind of ties into the overall format of the weekend in general, this is just for sprint race weekends, by the way. We've only got six sprint races on the calendar, as far as I know. So I do wonder why there is so much emphasis being put on sprint races when we know it's not 100% certain or that we have proof that they're a guaranteed success. We have some sprint races, like the ones we have in Brazil, which are amazing. And then we have some that we had in Imola last season. I'll be honest with you, the only thing I remember was Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen having a little bit of a battle. Other than that, nothing else was going on. And I can't really recall many other sprint Uh. races outside that. So make of that what you will. Um, First of all, Courtney, what do you make of the new proposed format? And... um, what do you make of this idea to try and spice up sprint races? Are we investing too much into this sprint race idea without proper evidence that it's a good idea, full stop, that we need to roll out everywhere? I think, first of all, it's good that they're only doing six races because you're right. I, I, I definitely feel they need to do um, more research into this working, um, into making this work, shall I say. Um, but at the same time, I think make changing the format so there isn't as much, you know, effect on a race weekend itself so the drivers can go for it more that's probably been the biggest problem the drivers haven't really been going for it because they're trying to preserve you know what they have for the sunday so that that's that, that's a good thing um my my concern overall is that they need to stop with the chopping and changing I, again there's just you don't know where you stand it's like well what's this format going to be this weekend sometimes you have to remind yourself like oh what's the format going to be this weekend what's format going to be in the next race and I, and I just feel, again, I, I, I feel that the people at the very top at F1 are just sort of scrambling. It, it, it's, it's almost like desperation. They're just, they're just so desperate to get that entertainment value, so desperate to get, you know, more and more fans engaged with the sport because they're just seeing it from, like, a business perspective. And I've, I do think also um, they're scrambling, you know, for the point he's making. They're, they're, they're scrambling to make the races more entertaining because there isn't really much of a race at the very front. And I, and I feel like it's going to tie to my next point. Uh, instead of trying to mess around with, you know, possible gimmicks or, you know, messing around with a race format too much, maybe focus on the issues, the political issues in F1 that is affecting, you know, the, the fan base and the race weekend itself. Yeah, th- there seems to be an obvious interest in F1 trying to push through sprint races as much as possible from a business perspective i get the logic behind that because with sprint races there's going to be more entertainment value for fans you might be able to charge a little bit more on tickets for circuit organizers and obviously having sprint races at your circuit means there's going to be more money paid into f1 as a brand and if it was down to the teams it's more money in the pockets of those in f1 so it's a win-win from a business perspective now just because 
that is the norm or what we expect from sprint races doesn't mean to say we can have them everywhere. And even then, I still feel there is some level of argument to be made that sprint races can sometimes take a little bit away from of the stardust from a main race or the focus, if you like, from the main race on Sunday. I don't think it's happened to a large degree as of yet, but I do think the argument holds merit. Um, one driver in particular, the world champion, Max Verstappen, has been, well, he's been quite blunt about his opinions on this. And I think he has basically been on record in saying quite recently that he's getting fed up of F1 trying to change the race weekend all the time or, you know, push forward the argument that if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And we've had this for years, whether it be to mm. have changes to qualifying, even the system that we have now, people have been trying to make changes to that. Quite frankly, I think it's the best qualifying system we've ever had Agreed. in the sport by a country mile. Yeah. And in some cases, it's one of the best parts of the sport, quite frankly. So I don't think they should change it at all. But they've still tried to make it better in their minds because it's it makes sense or more entertaining for the fans or, you know, it's better for business or all these other reasons that regular fans just don't really care for. They just want to see the cars and enjoy what they got. But... You know, Max has been quite blunt about this. He has said he's fed up of them changing the race format. He's even gone as far as saying if they continue to do this, he may just see out his current contract and be done with F1, almost putting an ultimatum to F1 into saying that, well, I'm your biggest asset right now. If you're going to keep messing things around, then you won't have me. Now, Max Verstappen's out there. Uh, Max Verstappen fans out there, I should say, listening to me saying that, are probably thinking, oh, I bet you lot are hoping that that will happen. I'm thinking, look, I'm just quoting what the guy's saying here. <sighs> I certainly don't want Max Verstappen to be going anywhere anytime soon. I think he's a phenomenal driver. And I honestly don't think Max would actually follow this through. No. I genuinely don't believe for a second that if Max wins the World Championship every single year up until his contract is up, which is a formidable thought on itself, I still don't think he's going to walk away from the sport at 31. So, you, know you know what he's yeah. you know what he's doing. He's Max is doing the Ferrari tactic. Whenever he's like really unhappy about something that's going on, he threatens to leave, and that's exactly what Ferrari do because Ferrari are the biggest team in the sport. If they feel that the sport's going in the wrong direction and way it doesn't suit them, yeah, we're going to leave. We're going to leave after the next contract. So he's doing a Ferrari. Yeah. It might actually carry a little bit more weight in this one for I'm not 100% sure it will or have any effect, but I, I totally understand the logic, really. I mean, F1's going to be in safe hands for many years because Fernando Alonso is certainly not going to be going anywhere. Um, so he's going to be around in 10 years' time, so we're all good there. <laughs> uh, Lee, what do you make of this? Or are you a fan of the proposed changes that uh, is going to be made, that could be made as early as the next race in Baku, which is obviously where the first sprint race of the season will be? My first um, the, the agreement with the proposed changes is it solidifies the whole vague area of what the sprint is. Obviously, there was a whole point that it was sprint qualifying, but it wasn't pole position. But it, well, it was pole position, but it's then not pole position. So what exactly is it? Now they're just actually talking about stick branding it of what actually is. It's a race. It may not be the the main event. But it's a race, which is good to, for them to finally acknowledge that is a race. Um, so the idea of calling it the sprint race instead of sprint qualifying or a sprint event, it's it's good to see that acknowledgement. And I mean, I'm still not as overly convinced in the whole sprint qualifying aspect myself. But I think separating it out from the Grand Prix and making it a standalone event is a good idea. It's worth 
trialing because they all right the FIA keep talking about oh it's, oh it's only trialing it's just to see if it works and they keep mending it it may make the whole weekend better it may make it worse um they're not going to get rid of it unfortunately um so at least they're still trying to tinker on it to make it slightly better um but from i i do agree it's worth trying and see how it works yeah no i i agree as well and I like the idea of it. I don't like the idea that they seem to only have the one practice session as it's laid out. Now, obviously, if it gets approved and the teams, from what I understand, have agreed to this, that they're happy with these changes that are being proposed to them. So, you know, it still has to be backed by the F1 commission in the FIA. And I'm sure that, you know, the teams are usually the stumbling block for this. So if F1 and the FIA, are, if they're on board with this, then the F1 and the FIA are going to be on board with this too, most likely. So... I can very much see this happening. How soon? We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, they'd like to have it in Baku because they'd like all the races this year to do it. And there's probably plenty of time for them to put that through and make the necessary changes that they have to. The only thing I would probably change, actually, there's two things I'd probably change. And I think this kind of leans to more what the team was want to do is have, you know, you could possibly have a practice session on Saturday morning as well. You could probably fit that in somewhere because, and the reason why I say that, and this kind of ties into the next part of it, it's like a two part thing. I think I still think there's room for a second practice session because I do think the fans, look, the fans that will turn up on a Friday, yes, of course, they'd want to see racing and entertainment. But from a fan's perspective, they want to see the cars as much as possible. And sometimes in practice, it's, it's, an, it's one of those opportunities where you see the cars more often than you probably will do on a Saturday at all. You know, a Sunday is obviously the exception because you've got the main race. So I think there's room to put a second practice session in there. With that in mind, I would change Saturday qualifying to a one-shot qualifying session. You know, go with that sprint vibe element to it. I know it's not the most exciting one in terms of having all the cars running around all at once, but I'm not going to lie. The element of a one-shot qualifying session to determine the sprint qualifying grid would actually be quite interesting. Because then it would potentially mix up the order a little bit. I mean, we saw in Australia, at one point, Nico Hulkenberg had done a lap, which put him P4 in qualifying before things sorted itself out, but still qualified quite highly. Alex Albon, the same. And there were a few of the top drivers, like the Ferraris never really got going on this. They were out of position in qualifying. I just think that the the idea of a one-shot qualifying session takes away some predictability with these sprint races. And I think the aim of these sprint races, because they're outliers and they're not part of the main race anymore, at least that's what they want, is for them to have their own little standalone theme of it. I think a one-shot qualifying session would work to make that a little bit more interesting. And if you get some of the faster guys further down the order, they have a limited amount of time to try and get their way back up the order. And if you're one of the slower guys gets a good qualifying run or a good qualifying lap, if you like, they've got less time to defend that. So it creates a bit of a buzz and excitement and something like that. I think that'd be a good idea. What do you guys reckon? See, I'm old school. I I love the current qualifying format. So it, it would take it would take me more time to sort of mull over it. I'm I'm, I'm sure the people at the top of F1 really care about my individual opinion, but I would definitely like give it some thought because I, I really do like the current format. If if I had it my way, I wouldn't change it. But that's me being a dinosaur. No, I f- that that's fair enough. I mean, for what it's worth, just to clarify for those of you that listening or watching this on YouTube, 
when I say one shot quality, I only mean that for the sprint race. You know, yeah, regular yeah, yeah, qualifying know, yeah. can carry on as it normally is because, and I agree, I think it should just stay exactly the same way that it is. But um, you know, to try and spice things up a little bit, if you're going to go with this sprint idea, then there you go. I think that's a good idea to make it exciting. Um, Lee, what do you reckon? Um, personally, I think a one shot qualifying isn't a good idea. Well, you lot are bored. Mainly because I think it'd be, <laughs> it'd be too randomized. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was hoping for a bit more support on this one. Sorry, I don't. Oh. <laughs> I think it'd be, I'd be, I think it'd be too randomised to so changing track conditions. All right, you may have some days that track doesn't change, but you just imagine you, you're giving your allotted time, and there's a shower comes through, and the person's on the drier time has got pole position. Yeah, it very gives variations, but that's a proper mixed up grid. Or um, the track slightly cools, the track slightly warm, so your tire temps. It's, I think it's teams would moan that's too unfair that why does um, News and Red Bull Mercedes, why does Red Bull get to go out in the, the optimum time when I want to go out in the optimum time? That's not fair. And I think it's, I, I don't think it's a, something that will work in in practice. I mean, I, I get that. And that's a fair point. I would, I would usually put it down to the luck of the draw. I mean, there's two ways you could do it. You could either do what they used to do and that was reverse championship order or reverse race order from the previous race. And usually the track conditions will be much better at the end of the session. So the guys that would come out last, the faster drivers would usually have an advantage. Of course, in changeable conditions, we did have the odd race where if it rained halfway through the session, the guys that had already done the laps are going to be laughing. I, I would propose almost like a lottery draw style system where you just pick out a number and whatever number that is, that's the order in which you go out and do your lap. So it's completely random, completely fair. Mm. And that if it rains halfway for a session, well, you know, that's the luck of the draw, unfortunately. But I, I get that. I just think something like that would be quite fun for the benefit of a sprint race. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the main race and just leave that alone. Can I just make one last point? Are you going to be in support of me on this corner or not? Because... Uh... Uh, <laughs> yes and no. All right. All I'm going to say is, regardless, <laughs> regardless of... Uh which format we go with or which gimmicks we throw in. Red Bull win in the end anyway, so there's no point. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to spoil the ending. I want to create some we, excitement. We before. know the ending. Yeah, I want, I want to create some level of excitement and unpredictability before the inevitable happens. Well, you, you, you do, if, if one of the drivers has, has an off day or P3 onwards, you have that. You have to have the P3 onwards race. Well, I mean, Max made an error in Australia last time out and he still won quite comfortably so I mean to be fair to Max Verstappen he handled that superbly you know all the restarts and everything else when he got bogged down by the Mercs and the safety cars and all that didn't really matter what was thrown at him he still had an answer for it so you could argue I think Ted Kravitz made a case that he was probably one of his best ever wins right and I think you know what yeah I I could argue that you know certainly more impressive than going out and winning the race by like 30 40 seconds you know I mean, anyone with a quick car and some level of talent can do that in the right circumstances. But, you know, that they wouldn't be able to do what Max did in terms of handling that pressure. So, no, fair enough. Um, let us know your thoughts, guys, on that. Are you a fan of this new proposal? What would you like to see added into a sprint weekend to make it more exciting? What would you like to do to improve it? Or if you want to get rid of it altogether, then let us know in the comments section if you are watching this on YouTube. Let's talk about one other piece of news actually i'm going to talk about something fun before i talk about the last thing um the miami grand prix coming up soon and for a lot of you that would have watched the first miami grand prix last season will remember the fake marina that we had no water whatsoever there was uh, a fake 
floor that looked like water from the from above and of course the the boats in that area very hilarious a lot of meme content a lot of good fun that was made from that i can confirm this year from what we're seeing the miami marina will feature some actual water with this year with their new sunset cabanas and the pictures are online looks like a couple of swimming pools it looks like a bit of a lido or looks like a resort where you've got the pool and stuff like that some chairs so uh I mean, they've got some water there now, so we can't make fun of them. But uh, I just wonder how much those tickets are going to cost. Yeah, yeah that's they're definitely going to. Uh, you put that together with inflation. Oh, I, I dread to think what the uh, ticket prices are going to be. But they better throw some inflatables in there. I, I want to see. Uh, I want to see an inflatable duck. That'd be nice to see. So it just sort of spice it up a bit. We, I think, for, and this is going to be for the benefit for anyone that watches English football. We need to see Harry Maguire. Declan Rice, Bakayo Saka, England players, all in those inflatable ducks, inflatable dinosaurs trying to race each other in the Sunset Cabana in the middle of the Miami Grand Prix. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed. And uh, if you follow English football, particularly the England national team, you'll know what I'm talking about. So that one's for you guys. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm kind of hoping for there. We may even get Kimi Raikkonen turn up, get the old ice cream out, or Fernando if he has an early retirement from the race, hopefully not, gets the deck chair out, sits by the pool. You know, there's options there, if you like. You could, turn, you could turn it into like a cool-down area if one of the drivers is having a tantrum. So, in other words, but actually, no, I'm not going to name names. I think we can come no, up with... No, don't. I think, <laughs> I think we can come up with a few ideas, in particular, of who we might want to see in there if they have a bit of a tantrum. Anyway, look, um, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to mention. Um, guys, let us know your thoughts on that as well. If, you, if you've seen it, let me know what your thoughts are on the new Sunset Cabana in Miami. I mean, look, they're trying. They've obviously heard than seeing the jokes and everything else in the F1 fans. So the, the fact that they're incorporating this, it's obviously a good thing. But um, I mean, that Miami race is going to be a show in itself. So uh... this episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. We'll move on to the final part of discussion for this episode. And it's a really interesting one. It's a bit of a back to the future kind of vibe, if you like, or back to the past more accurately. So for those of you that weren't following the story, or haven't heard or even don't remember 2008 Brazilian Grand Prix, Felipe Massa going into that final race, needing to win the Grand Prix and hoping he can outscore Sir Lewis Hamilton by, I can't remember how many points it was at the time, I'm not going to go back and check that, but he won the race and for about 15 seconds, everyone thought he was the world champion for 2008. The very final corner up to Jung Cow and up to the start finish, Sir Lewis Hamilton in the background was passing Timo Glock to get into, what was it, fifth position? Yeah, um, to get the points he needed and win the world championship by one point. One of the greatest sporting moments in history. It was just all that build up for the whole season, two drivers going at it, and it 
goes to the final corner, the final lap of the final race. Brilliant, entertaining stuff. Fast forward almost 15 years. An interesting interview or remarks made by Bernie Eccleston, who was uh, the owner of F1 at the time, to German website F1 Insider, has cast doubt about how much he actually knew about the crash in the immediate aftermath of the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix. Now, this was Crashgate. This was the race where Nelson Piquet Jr. was Mm. ordered by Flavio Briatore, the Renault team principal at the time, to deliberately crash and cause a safety car, which allowed his teammate, Fernando Alonso, back at the time, to have a cheap pit stop, which got him out ahead and defend the race lead, which he did and went on to win. It was only two years after that where it all came to light and that people, well, FIA, F1 found out that Renault had deliberately sabotaged one of their drivers' races to win this one, basically cheating, for lack of a better way of putting it. It caused Flavio to get a two-year ban, and uh, uh, sorry, a permanent ban, I should say, from the sport. Long story short, this came out two years after the 2008 Brazilian Grand Prix. So obviously a load of people thinking, oh, well, what has this got to do with this final result? Now, you can cast your mind back to Abu Dhabi in 2021 for a similar sort of scenario in how things were playing out. And, you know, the old saying that they had after that race was if Max Verstappen gets his hands on the World Championship trophy at the prize-giving ceremony afterwards, it doesn't matter what comes out afterwards, you cannot take that title away from him. Obviously, that happened, and that's now in the history books. The same logic was applied here in 2008, although we didn't know at the time of what went down in Singapore. Until we found out, it was too late. Bernie Eccleston made some remarks to a German website, F1 Insider, about this, that claiming himself and Max Mosley, the head of the FIA at the time, actually knew about the Crashgate saga back in 2008, two years before it went public in 2010. Now, I'm going to read you, and you know, I appreciate if you bear with me on this, because I'm kind of going a bit long-winded with this, but I'm going to read you the quotes from Bernie Eccleston on this. And he says, Max Mosley... The then FIA president and I were informed during the 2008 season what had happened in the race in Singapore. Eccleston said that PK Jr. had told his father, Nelson PK, that he had been asked by the team to drive into the wall at a certain point in order to trigger a safety car phase and such to help his teammate Fernando Alonso. We decided not to do anything at first. We wanted to protect the sport and save it from a huge scandal. That's why I used angelic tongues to persuade his father to keep calm for the time being. Back then, there was a rule that a world championship classification after the FIA award ceremony at the end of the year was untouchable. So Hamilton was presented with the world championship trophy and everything was fine. We had enough information in time to investigate the matter. According to FIA statutes, we should have cancelled the race in Singapore under these conditions. That means it would never have happened for the world championship standings. Then Felipe Massa would have become world champion and not Lewis Hamilton. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to unpick from that. Now, (sighs) first things first, guys. This has prompted Felipe Massa to ask his solicitors or lawyers or seek legal advice as to whether or not he can actually take legal action with the FIA, or in particular with Bernie Eccleston, obviously Max Mosey has since passed away, um, over this issue as to whether or not his remarks actually have some legitimacy. Because, of course, if he was to know at the time that they would have known about this, then obviously he may feel that there are grounds to try and seek 
um, legal counsel as to whether or not that race can actually be cancelled um, in hindsight. I'm going to pass this over to you guys because there's a lot to unpick from here. But hearing all of uh, that, what, what are your immediate thoughts? Because this is this is this could be a nothing story, but it could yeah. also prove to be a big scandal that happens in the background whilst everything is going on 15 years later. Um, I, I think first of all, it just seems that the uh, the Lewis Hamilton fan club, the same old suspects that we've seen digging the guy out throughout his career, um, a sort of a you know, throwing it out there that, you know, maybe Lewis should have the title stripped of him. I, I, I do feel there are undertones there. You know, you, you think about some of the names that were mentioned in that monologue there, Adam. I think these people have been uh, very vocal with their dislike of Lewis uh, throughout his career. But I think if you'd go down that road anyway, it would open up other uh, questions anyway. So first of all, it'd be, well, why would you want to call off the race in general and not disqualify the Renos? Because if you could just disqualify the Renaults, that wouldn't make a difference to the uh, the outcome of the championship. There's that. I'd also have a look at Felipe Massa himself and, and say two things. I think first of all, it's 15 years ago. Even if you used to have that trophy given to you, there would be a massive asterisk next to it because it was 15 years ago. If you look back, people go, oh yeah, Lewis won in 2008. And they don't need to have their memory jogged. There'd be a massive asterisk next to that as well and, and, I've, and one last thing and let, let's not forget that Felipe Massa made a, a completely silly error while driving off with the fuel pump still attached to his car that cost him in that race there's that as well and you could also look back at other decisions that went on that year like I, I feel that that penalty that Lewis got in Spa was completely unfair as well it's all swings and roundabouts it's, it's, it's a combination of events and Felipe Massa made a error an error that a driver in his situation should never make and that cost him the world championship so I, I just feel that you know the same old clowns are coming together giving an excuse to uh sort of kick down on lewis's achievements in the sport and i've 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 i think it just opens up more wounds of what the guys had to deal with and you know again you just you just have you know the, the the same old people that just just dig him out, and it's some of the fans as well. They just they just carry this 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 hatred for him, and we don't see it towards other drivers. We you, you know you have drivers that you like, drivers that you dislike, but there's this whole thing to around the news. It's this it's, it's like an obsessive hatred. I, I I don't know. I just think it raises more questions than answers for me personally. Yeah, I understand that. I think. We have to take a lot of things that Bernie Eccleston often says with a pinch of salt. Mm -hmm. We know based on his remarks in the past, he's not been the biggest fan of Sir Lewis Hamilton. I mean, I think that's pretty fair to say for anyone that's followed him. Taking that aside, though, one, one or two things I do want to clarify on this. I don't, again, if I'm wrong, fair enough, I'll hold my hands up to this. I don't remember when Felipe Massa had that incident in the pit lane, that it was entirely his fault, specifically. I remember Ferrari had a bit of an issue with the signal on the pits. It was like an automated signal that was to tell him when it was okay to, to leave the pit lane. This was before they got yeah, they reintroduced the old um, lollipops and stuff like that uh, they used to have. And the light went green and Massa went and then it, it shouldn't have gone green because he still had the fuel hose stuck to his car. This was back when there was free, we, uh, refueling in Formula One, guys, for those who wondered, oh, why are they fueling the cars for? They don't do that anymore. This was one of the reasons why they actually stopped doing that. Um, and F1, you, we all agree, is probably better for it. Um, so there is that element. 
I also remember that the reason he made that pit stop was because of the safety car, which was forced by that crash. Again, if I'm wrong in how I've remembered this, then, you know, I apologize and hold my hands up to that. But I think that is a part of it too. Now, taking all of that aside, I agree with you, Courtney. It's been a long, long time. I don't really think there are any legal roots as far as I'm aware I'm not a lawyer I'm not a solicitor I'm not going to pretend but based on what we saw in Abu Dhabi 21 and how that all went down I'm not quite sure how these remarks from Bernie Eccleston how they can actually create a an avenue I suppose where Felipe Massa was to take him or the FIA to court on this where they could turn the result around or get rid of it so that he could be crowned the 2008 world champion and even then you're right it does create some level of confusion or put an asterisk next to it because it takes away from Sir Lewis Hamilton, who has done nothing wrong in any of this. Yeah, okay, he benefited, but it's not like he was the one telling him on the radio to do this. It's the same reason why we thought it was ridiculous for some people to say that the title should be taken off of Max in 2021 because of the fact that he benefited from the FIA's mistake, which hurt Lewis. So... I, I don't know if there's anything that's going to come from this. I'd be very surprised, however, if Sir Lewis himself is not asked about this in Baku. I'd be even more surprised if he's even paid attention to this because he's probably just looking forward to taking some time off and getting to work at the Merck factory, not even paying one bit of interest to that what is going to on here. But it is something that I had seen and it was quite interesting. I thought I'd share that. Lee, I, I want to get your thoughts on this as well before we sign off. Um, it's a lot to unpack here. It could be a nothing story, but it's... Uh, it's not it's not really a good story to sort of read up on, bearing in mind how how bad things got for F1 following that whole scandal. <clears throat> yeah, um, I mean, I agree with both of you. I, I, I think it's more of a nothing story and more of just hot air from Bernie. Um, but I, I do think it's bad, bad publicity that currently the sport doesn't need, especially the FAA doesn't need, considering what the FAA... Uh, have been bringing attention to themselves with the mistakes they've been making over the last few years, being it stewarding or race directing or uh, other aspects of the sport where uh, that for, even Formula One management have been unhappy with how the FA have been handling things. Um, and I definitely think it's it's unneeded for the sport when we the sport is getting in such a good position regarding its popularity, the attention it gets, and the its overall exposure to a global audience has increased since it's 15 years ago. And I think it'd be silly to shoot yourself in the foot with a this kind of bad publicity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I suppose we'll have to wait and see before we can talk about this more, whether or not this actually becomes a big story in the background of an otherwise, you know, a, a season that is completely irrelevant to what is going on, um, which isn't the first time we've heard stuff like this. And some of the people involved, as we said, Nelson Piquet Jr., his father, Nelson Piquet, who... Uh, recently was handed a pretty hefty fine mm. for some comments that he made about Sir Lewis Hamilton in a radio interview, which obviously I'm not going to repeat on this show. So it it kind of has all the ingredients of a story, which has got all the right characters to try and add fuel to this fire at the expense of the seven-time world champion who has done nothing wrong in this incident at all. And unfortunately, there is the potential that he could be dragged through the mud through all of this for no fault of his own. And, and you've got to feel for Felipe Massa as well, because... By any stretch of the imagination, if what Bernie has said is absolutely true and they deliberately withheld this, then obviously he could have played a huge part in the outcome of the 2008 World Championship. I mean, that's going to sting big time. 
because that was his one and only chance he ever got near a title. Yeah. And, you know, he may... I think recently we saw a couple of years ago, he had that interview with Timo Glock. We kind of forgave him, even though it wasn't Timo Glock's problem um, or fault for what happened. It wasn't at all, but there was closure. It was done. It's over. We move on. And now it's bringing this, it's bringing its ugly head again. Um, That's yeah. Sorry, Lee, I know you're in a rush as well. I, I think with, with Nelson PK, he's always had a chip on his shoulder about Lewis. He's a very jealous man because, uh, Lewis humiliated his son in um, in F2. He completely wiped the floor with him in, in GP2. So I think that's why he carries a bit of a chip on his shoulder towards Lewis, just saying. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I'm not even going to mention the potential connect- connections to other drivers and stuff like that because it's yeah. just adding more fuel to a fire no, exactly. when it's, it's not relevant. Anyway, no. guys... That's um, pretty much all the topics we wanted to talk about on this particular episode of the show. We're going to be back next time with our friend F1 journalist Ben Hunt for a great episode talking about Mercedes this season and the growing dynamic between Hamilton and Russell. So definitely tune into that one when that comes out next week. As always, as we say, make sure to support us by subscribing to the YouTube channel. Help us get to 2,000 subscribers if you can. Like the video and don't forget to give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform we'd really appreciate that we'll give you a shout out on the next episode but until then guys thank you so much for tuning in please stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 take care Podcast Network.